also want to share uh, about our, our next Ramsey Park Day. Our team met last, uh, last Sunday, and uh, one of the things we talked about, we, 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 talked, we kind of debriefed from uh, the event back in last October. It was a wonderful event. One of the things we talked about is we wanted to make sure that we did these events in such a way that we can really make connections with the people in our community. And so we decided to have the next event um, on the Saturday week before Easter, uh, because Easter is sort of a big event. Easter is one of the, of the days in, in the year that it, it, people are just more open to coming and worshiping God. And so we thought, well, one way that we can help kind of make connections is we can be invitational uh, at our event, have it a, sun, a Saturday week before Easter Sunday, and, and just be intentional about uh, trying to form relationships and inviting people to come worship on a day. Uh, it's just it, People are just more open to doing that. And so we're going to be having that, that next park day, as you heard earlier, on April 8th. And, uh, and, and just like back in the fall, uh, in the Saturdays before leading up to the day, we'll, we'll meet here uh, at 10 o'clock. We found 10 o'clock is better than 9 o'clock. We did 9 o'clock back in the fall. Uh, at 10 o'clock, and we'll go and just take about an hour walking around, sharing with people about the day and inviting them to come and, and to be a part of it. And so uh, if you're able, I want to invite you to come do that. It's, we found it to be just really a, a fun time because we get to talk to people. One thing we real, I realized yesterday, I think people... Uh, they they recognize us. They you know they kind of realize what why why we're out there, and they I think I they were more open. I think they were more open. We got more prayer requests than we we have before. So I, I just found it really really powerful in terms of making connections. So we'll be doing that of course next Saturday as well uh, at ten o'clock. We got a lot going on next Saturday, don't we? So um, just want to let you know about that and, and um, w- why we timed that in the way that we did. Uh, today, we are continuing our series on a gospel culture, what it looks like in a church when the gospel takes hold of the church and shapes the culture. Because as we talked about last week, it's, it's not just societies that have cultures. It's not just nations that have cultures. Churches have cultures as well. And churches can be shaped by, the culture of a church can be shaped, shaped by many things. Uh, what does it look like when the culture is shaped by the good news of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. What does that look like? And, and so today we're going to continue on that. Uh, and as we do, I want to invite you to say a word of prayer, both with me and also for me. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would give your word, and that through that word you would not leave us unchanged, but that you would shape our thoughts our minds, our hearts, that you would do a work of cleansing and shaping in us, that we would be made more like Jesus Christ. I pray that for some of us who are in need of encouragement, that you would grant it. For some of us in need of direction, that you would give it. That you would speak and that we would hear and that we would be transformed. We just ask all this in Christ's good and perfect name. Amen. Uh, last week, what does it look like when a, a culture of a church is shaped by the gospel? Last week, we, we saw how the culture of a church uh, is shaped and, and that it becomes outward focus. That's one of the, the main signs that you can tell that a church's culture has been shaped by the gospel. And we started with Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, Right? 
Uh, one of the bad ways uh, or bad signs uh, that the church culture is not gospel-centered is that the, the decisions of the church and the people in it, it's to please ourselves. It's sort of a self-centered. But what we talked about last week is that when the gospel gets a hold of the culture of a church, there's this bending outward that uh, we realize that we, we probably, the church, we as the church, probably alone uh, among all other kinds of organizations and groups, all uh, are, are, are here not for our benefit, but for the benefit who are not yet members, right? The church alone exists for the benefit of those who are not yet a part of the church. Uh, and we, we are unique in that way. And that is a sign that the church is centered on the gospel. Uh, Paul goes on, he says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Um, that's a powerful mark. And some of you could probably share stories about how you were here and you, you have come to faith. You came to know Jesus Christ because someone uh, was out not to please themselves, but, but was out for your benefit. And maybe someone ministered to you or a congregation ministered to you in a time of deep, deep need. And, and amen, right? And it's because of that, it, it, that congregation, that time was outward focused and focused on, on a need other than the people who were in the, in the congregation. And, and so... You know, the gospel was brought to bear and transformed. Some of you could share those stories. It'd be powerful. This week, we want to look at the second mark of, of, a, of a, a gospel-centered church. And it's this. The gospel-centered church, churches are also scripture-centered. They're Bible-centered. All right? And here's what we read. Romans, uh, I, that's a typo. It's actually Romans 15. This is verse 4. For whatever was written in former days... Paul, Paul continues, and he's talking about the Bible. Right? When, when he says that, whatever was written in former days, he's talking about Scripture. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. Right? He's saying, essentially he's saying, that, that churches that are gospel-centered are shaped by the Word of God, by what was written in former days. And, and that what the, the, one of the purposes and the, the, uh, the, that God has for his scriptures is to shape his people, to shape his people, to shape his congregations, to shape his followers, because we need to be shaped. We need to be shaped. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Uh, we probably don't because it's just not one of those things we think about. But did you know that every single day you and I are being shaped? Did you know that? We, we, there's no such thing as just sort of standing static where you're not changing and your ways of thinking aren't changing and your ways of seeing the world aren't changing. We are always being shaped whether we are aware of it or not and our ways of viewing the world are shaped, our ways of, of thinking about why are we here, that's being shaped. Uh, all, our hearts, our minds, our souls are constantly being shaped by uh, what's around us, by the messages we receive, whether it be media or friends or whatever it may be. We're always being shaped. So the, qu- the question is not are we being shaped, we are, but what is shaping us? What is shaping us? And what we see in the scriptures is, is God gives us his scriptures so that his scriptures will shape us. Because when we're shaped by the scriptures, our lives and our hearts and our minds are shaped by what's true. It's shaped by what's true. Now... Here's how, here's how we know this. We know it kind of by the, by the negative of it. And that is, uh, we, know, we kind of know what happens when we're not shaped by the Scriptures. 
Uh, several years ago, and, and I think I've mentioned this before, so this may not be a complete uh, strange idea, but several years ago, a sociologist named Christian Smith, he's from the University of Notre Dame, he did a, a study. He wanted to see uh, what are the beliefs of student age, young adult students who are active church-going students. He really he wanted to focus on students who were active in congregations, whether they be Protestant or Catholic or what have you. So he did this huge study where he, he would get these, these young adults, age anywhere from 12 to, to maybe 20, and, and he, he, he polled and asked, you know, what do you believe? And, and you know, kind of what, what are your beliefs about life? And what he came to find was that for these church-going young adults, what they believed was actually not biblical Christianity. And and because he, he found that that he and he found out most of them kind of believe the same thing, but it wasn't really. He actually had a name for it. He called it. And you don't have to remember this unless you want to impress your neighbors and family members. But he called it moralistic, therapeutic deism. Now that sounds really fancy, but but it's actually not. You know what it means? Here's what he found. Here's what he found. He found um, that what they believed was one. God functions as, a, as an authority to give us rules to guide our behavior. That what God wants for us is to be good. Be good. Do the right thing. That's the moralistic part, right? That God wants us to be good people. Number two, that the purpose of life is to be happy and, and never to be sad, to never be discouraged, never be... And, and you can see, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of partly true. God does want us to be happy. But what he found was, was that the beliefs of most of these, most of these people is that there's no, there's no role whatsoever of any kind of pain or sorrow. That, you know, that, that's just that's completely, that, that, that's completely alien to what God wants to, to do or to use in our lives. That uh, uh, God just wants us to be well-adjusted and to be happy. There was nothing in, in there about sin or redemption or forgiveness, a need to be saved from sin and death. That, that kind of was completely absent. No, no mention of Jesus, by the way, that, that we need a Savior. All right? So that's the therapeutic part, therapeutic, just to be happy and well-adjusted. And deism, that God, and that basically is that they believe that God created the world but that God really isn't active in our day-to-day life. God doesn't really want to have a, uh, any... God has no interest in being a part of your day-to-day life or my day-to-day life. That's the deism part. God's just like a, a vending machine, a, kind of like a cosmic vending machine. And, and maybe once a month or once a quarter or maybe once a year, whenever you need something from the cosmic vending machine, you maybe you spend some time in prayer or you go to church and, and you get some you know, God goodies to help you out with, with whatever you need. That's kind of what he found. Um, and Smith also discovered it wasn't just students who have this as their primary belief system. Their parents do as well. Now, here's, I think, what we can learn from this. That unless we, are purp- uh, we are purposefully allow ourselves to be shaped by, say, the scriptures, we know kind of how we're going to end up. We're going to end up with sort of this sort of vanilla, moralistic, therapeutic deism, right? Um, and it's sort of, I, I think it is an evidence that we are always being shaped by something and that we need to be shaped by Scripture. We need to be shaped by God. Um, and here's the good news. It's not hard to allow God to shape us. Uh, as Paul wrote to Timothy, 
All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful. Isn't that powerful? That it's useful. That that God uses His Scriptures. He uses His Word uh, for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Although those are four or five words that talk about being shaped. That Scripture is useful for God's purposes of shaping us to be Christ-like and to be like Jesus. Um, So... Uh, it, the Bible shapes us. And, but Paul doesn't stop there, going back to Romans 15.4. He says, so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. You know the problem with moralistic therapeutic deism? It kind of sounds nice on the surface. But when we're in a season of great discouragement, we're in a season where perhaps we're grieving. And we need strength. And we need, we need a God who comes in and saves. We need salvation. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help us. It doesn't bring encouragement. But you know what does? The truth of God's scriptures. And some of you may remember, back in the summer, we, we went through some of the Psalms. And I found, I found the Psalms to be, just as an example, to be so powerful. Because for whatever season in life we are going through in our walk with Jesus Christ, whether it be a, a time of a season of, of great triumph, where God has really done mighty things in our life, there are Psalms that can give voice to our praises to God. And as we, as we use those psalms to give voice to our praises to God, God uses that to kind of shape our hearts and to shape our imaginations. But if we're in a season when we are greatly discouraged and perhaps we're having difficulty seeing where God's hand is and it feels like God is absent, do you know there are some of the most powerful psalms where the psalmist is going through the exact same experience? And we can pray those psalms and they can become our prayers and they can not only remind us that God is faithful, it can, it can remind us that, that the faithful who have gone before us have gone through the same experiences we have. And as we pray those psalms, as, you know, they, they give voice to us, voice to our prayers in season when we do not know what to say. And I have found that God uses that, again, to shape our hearts and to shape our imagination and, and there have been seasons in my life when some of those psalms have been like the rock that I hold on to that helped me to stay connected to a God who is faithful and who is loving and who is good. That the scriptures, God uses them not just to shape us, but that as he shapes us by his word, that he feeds not only our minds, but our imaginations. That God brings, he gives us endurance I found that to be true. He gives us encouragement. He gives us hope. And that he does this not just to us as individuals. He does this to congregations. You know, one of the most... I found that that in Christian experience, one of the most discouraging things can, can simply be trying to be faithful to the call to make disciples. Right? Because you go and, and you strive and you work and you, you tell and you minister. And, and sometimes there's great fruit coming in. And sometimes it seems like nothing's happening. Sometimes it seems like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're pouring yourself out and it seems like not much is happening. And it's so easy to be discouraged. 
And in those seasons, uh, if we're in a season of discouragement of a congregation where it's like, man, Lord, we're trying to be faithful. We're pouring ourselves out, trying to reach people for Jesus. And it just, the fruit doesn't seem to be coming in. We can open up a part of the scriptures, like Jesus' parable, where Jesus says, you know what? You know what the kingdom is like? It's like a sower who goes out and he's throwing seed. And he's working hard. And some of that seed lands on good soil and it brings up fruit. But you know what? That, that's like one-fourth of the seed. Three-fourths of it land in areas. And for whatever reason, for various reasons, that seed doesn't take, doesn't take root. And so, you think of that parable. That parable could be an encouragement to a congregation in a season where it seems like you're pouring stuff out and you're just, the fruit's just not coming in to say, you know what? We're not, it's not, the, the fruit's not up to us. It's up to the Holy Spirit. And there may be times when it seems like not much is happening. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep sowing. Keep telling. Keep ministering. Keep giving yourself away. That the the scriptures can give encouragement in seasons when we greatly, greatly need it. Because the scriptures give us God's perspective on things. And that biblical perspective will make a hard situation endurable because the scriptures are given for our encouragement and our endurance in hard times. Listen to Psalm, Psalm 1. We looked at this way back in the summer. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person, or we could say that church, right, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. They endure. They endure. Endurance comes from meditating on and being shaped by the word of God. That is how we find staying power. And the scriptures bring hope through that, right? So here's what, you, here's what we can do with this. This is one of the reasons why we encourage so much daily, the daily study of the scriptures. The daily study of the scriptures. And of course, we, we struggle with one of the biggest struggles. Well, what do I read? Um, and we, a couple things I want to give to you. I want to encourage you to have a daily time where you are studying the scriptures. Um, and I want to encourage you to have a daily time where you are studying not just... Here's, here's what we tend to do sometimes. We'll study one verse over here, and the next day we'll do a verse over here, and then we'll do a verse over here, and then a verse over here. And it's kind of like... And that there's some value to that. But what, what we lose if we never study, say, a whole book or a whole section of the scripture is we sort of miss the power that the scriptures have to shape and form our imaginations and to really give encouragement. So I'd encourage you to find some way to not only have a daily study of the scriptures, but to find a way where you're working through uh, a section where over maybe a month or even two months, you, you've made it through a book or a couple of books. So that you can, because I, th- there's just a power to allowing that scripture to shape, uh, shape our lives. So a couple things, it, depending on your level of... Um, of, of computer proficiency. There's, if, you, if you have access to a computer and you know how to use it, a couple of good things. We have a daily, um, 
We have, we have a daily scripture that we, we email out, uh, or rather that goes out on our Facebook and on our Twitter. And, and if you know how to do that, if you're Facebook literate, it's probably the easiest way to do. All you have to do is go to our website, which is hpdothan.com. And if you go up to the top right here, you see these little buttons, right? And if you click on, say, if you, you'll say you're a Facebook user. I think we've got a lot more Facebook users and Twitter users in here. If you, so if you're, you can go up here, you can just click on that. And it'll take us to our church Facebook page. And every, every night, actually, around 7 o'clock, uh, a series of scripture passages post for the next day. And um, you can read all of them the next day. Or you can just, even if you're like, well, that's too much, you can just read one of them. You can take the gospel reading for, for that and just, and just read through that. Uh, uh, now, that, that'll give you some scripture to read. Or if you're like, well, you know, I really want to be able to read something and have have some commentary or have a devotional on it so I can understand what I'm reading. Uh, my old seminary, Asbury Seminary, they have a great resource now called Seedbed, and they have a daily devotional that emails out every single day, and they'll go through a book of the Bible. Right now they're going through the Gospel of John. And, and there'll be a passage, it may be two, three, four verses, and there'll be a devotional, very good devotional, uh, on that passage and if you want to, if you really feel like you need uh, maybe some commentary, you can go to seedbed.com daily text, subscribe. You can go to that. Or if you forget about that, you can just tell me, hey, Clint, I want to sign up for that seedbed thing. And just give me your email. And I'll, I'll go on. I'll sign you up for you, right? Because I, I know where it is. But that's kind of neat. And you, get a, you just get emailed every day. And it's got some, got some uh, stuff on there. But I, w- I want to encourage Finding some way, or if you're not computer proficient, you can't do, you don't do email, you can't do Facebook. Just come talk to me, and I'll, I'll get you. I'll find you something that you could, where you can work through a, a say, a, a book of the Bible, and have something that you could read along with it. And I'll print you out something. But having having this as a part of our regular daily life is powerful because it shapes us. It shapes us, and through that shaping. God gives us encouragement. God grants us endurance. And especially in seasons when we may be tempted to despair, God gives us hope. That is why God has given us the scriptures. Being Bible-centered, being shaped by the scriptures, and daily being encouraged by them, that is a sign that our, the culture of our congregation is a gospel-centered culture. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left us to our own devices, but that you have given us your word to be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. And we pray that you would help us as, as believers here at Highland Park and help us as a church as a whole to be so committed to the truth that you have revealed through your scriptures that we would indeed, we, we would indeed be uh, shaped by the good news of what you've done for us in Jesus. So I pray that you'd give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard and give us then, Lord, the courage to do it. We ask all this in Christ's good and precious name. Amen.